Horror. everybody welcome to countdown to infinity to infinity and beyond um it's been a while and we're a little rusty so there are a couple of technical errors in this episode i hope you still find it enjoyable and uh we're getting back to it we're uh, we're knocking the rust off my name is ray ruzo and i am here with my co-hosts chris o'connor hey and Becca Raybergen. Hi. Remember, remember in like 2018 when we did Ant-Man and the Wasp in the summer and we were like, Marvel spaced their movies really weirdly this year. So this is our last one for the year. We'll be back next year. And then that didn't happen. And then we weren't. Did, did we do that in July 2018? We did. We did that in July 2018. So, wow. That was one whole child ago. Oh. And uh, so, yeah, my, my, my second son was born a month after that. Uh, and then also a house fire and a new job and COVID! Yay! We have all been in the middle of a pandemic and it's been terrible. It has. It's kind of a surprise that we didn't get decide to do this earlier since we're all just I stuck know. in our houses. Yeah. Well, basically, I think what it boils down to is now that we have WandaVision coming out and the Disney Plus show starting, um, Scott Corelli approached us and was like, hey, remember that podcast you guys did? People kind of liked it. How about you do it some more? You Go did? Figure. Thanks for liking it, listener. And we're like, okay, yeah. So um, basically what we have coming up is today we're going to be doing Captain Marvel. Then we're going to do Endgame as a three-parter because that is a lot of movie to cover. In It would just turn into a three-hour episode anyways. <laughs> and then hopefully before WandaVision actually starts, we'll do a predictions episode. And then we'll go episode by episode through WandaVision. So... When does it start again? And whatever else Marvel has to throw at us. Sometime in January. January 15th. We got a little time. 15th. We got like a little time. We got a little time. Yeah, we can we'll try to it. get everything out. We can do it. And I should probably read some like WandaVision stuff. I'm really, really excited because I am extended Maximoff family trash. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna be my Obi-Wan for that. You are. I I recently went back and for TikTok I did a recap series of the 1986 Vision and the Scarlet Witch, which is the year that they bought a house in New Jersey and she magicked herself pregnant with babies. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea that storyline was so old. So today we are covering Captain Marvel, which I sadly remembered. This is the first one that came out after Stan Lee passed away. Yep. Yeah, it's right there in the yep, yep. Uh, right there in the introduction, like the the little uh, like Marvel logo. They changed. Yeah, it for it's all him. filled with him. It's just like oh. 
so many stands, and everybody was mad. All the fanboys were mad. We stand the stands. <sighs> fanboys can stay mad. I don't. Wait, care. what? Who was mad? I don't remember anybody being mad. It was that the thing, the remembrance thing for Stan was on her movie and not a different movie. Wait, they want they wanted it on a. It was the first one to come out after he died. Yeah, what, what? Were they going to pretend he didn't die to acknowledge it in Endgame? What? Uh, I don't. I don't remember that part of the discourse. I never said it made sense, and we know that it didn't make sense. No, it doesn't. So. It doesn't make sense. A lot of that stuff doesn't make sense. Anyways, let's go through this movie that fanboys hated so much. Oh. That I loved. We didn't all that hate it. You don't count. We didn't all hate you it. You don't count. Am I not a fanboy? No. Am I not a boy who is a fan? Wait, I'm a father, so I can't be a boy anymore. Crap. <laughs> I say fanboy TM. The trademark is a very specific brand of fanboy. I'm a fan man. That's me. I'm a I'm a fan man. I'm a I'm a fan man. I have responsibilities to take care of, and if I if I manage to take care of all of them, then maybe I can do something I enjoy after the children go to sleep. So we start off this movie with a weird kind of flashbacky dream sequence of lots of destruction. Carol like veers. I'm sorry, veers. Waking up and seeing this woman, she doesn't like really know amid the smoke and being shot by a scroll, and she wakes up, which is in no way, shape, or form an altered memory, of course. No. 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 Why would it be that? So I think they actually did a really, really good job of establishing Carol as Carol really early. Like the moment that she goes and like knocks on Yon Rog's door and wakes him up, and he's like, you're, and she's like, I couldn't sleep. And he's like, well, there's tabs for that. <laughs> there's tabs for that. And she's like, yeah. But then I'd be sleeping. But then I'd be sleeping. I'm like, that is Carol. <laughs> Jumped off the page and onto the Sleeping screen. is boring. Yeah. The snark the snark factor was early. Yeah. So she harasses her superior officer into getting into uh, like a spar- early morning sparring session in which he is just like constantly gaslighting her. About the emotions equals bad. Emotion bad. <laughs> only logic. That's actually exactly what I wrote in my notes. Emotions bad. Yeah. Logic only. Gaslighting <laughs> professionals. Yon Rog is everyone's abusive ex-boyfriend. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't have one of those, but okay. I mean, I don't really have one of those either, but, yeah, you know, yeah. if I did, it'd be Yon Rog. He's the archetypical. Uh, yes. Yeah. Like, watching this movie made me feel like I had an abusive ex-boyfriend. Yeah. The hallmarks <laughs> of the gaslighting... Abusive X. And she's got like that thingy on her neck that's blinking and is in no- They keep showing it. <laughs> and he's like, it helps you, it helps you control your abilities that we totally are responsible for yeah. giving you. That's why all of us have those powers, but none of us have those powers. Did he say right there in that first, uh, like, you know, session, like what was given can be taken away or was that, did that, that came later, right? I think- think he he basically implied it and then i think the actual language came when her first time with the supreme intelligence yeah or the first time we see this yeah he, he didn't say it because he's trying to trying to maintain that more positive uh because he is pretty slick mm-hmm. he is and i i think in another movie you might actually believe that this is someone who has her best interests at heart but i think there's a lot of women in the audience sit there, and also non-binary people assigned female at birth, 
sit there and go like, I don't know, this doesn't feel right to me. Something, my my spidey senses are tingling with this guy. Mm. Yeah. Our spidey senses are tingling in part because we know we know that she's not somebody named Veers and she's not a, you know, she's, she doesn't live in the Cree home world. It wasn't the right situation. Yeah. You had, she she and woke up from her. Yon Rog was the guy who kidnapped her in the comics, so. <laughs> but, but, you know. Assuming nobody, assuming there are people in the audience who've never heard of anything like this before. Yeah. How many of those are All they know is, this feels weird. (laughs) It's like, we saved you. We brought you here. You, we're training you and we're making, we're making your life great again. Yeah, yeah, there is that. Whose blood runs through your veins is, I think, what he said. That's interesting. Yeah. Also, that was six years ago, so it's not running there anymore. Your cells do that thing where they replenish themselves. Exactly. And, you know, you don't actually stay the same person with the same cells, which is a terrifying thing to think about. Don't don't go down this hole right now. I'm not going down this hole right now. I'm just going to go to the Supreme Intelligence because <laughs> now Carol's like, I'm totally good to go into battle now. Like, yeah. Let's do it. I've totally trained myself, like totally gotten trained. Yonrog did a great job of training me. Yep. And she sees it's the same woman. From her dream. It is someone important to her. It's a net Benning. Amazing a net Benning. Amazing. Doing a good job. Yes. Yes. Which I'm wondering if at that point the Supreme Intelligence the Supreme Intelligence must know who she is that she's appearing to her. It absolutely absolutely does because we you know, we know from later in the situation, like the part of the dream where she sees a scroll, that's not true. That's not what happened. So the Supreme Intelligence yeah. and, and, you know, the Kree, like, they've messed with her memory to sort of try and change the way it looks. So they know that this is an mm-hmm. important person to her. And also it kind of, like, isn't somebody tied to her life on Earth uh, quite so. Like, it doesn't appear as her father. It doesn't appear as her friend. Yeah. It, it appears as this individual who's, like, intrinsically linked to this these dreams that, they, that they're fine with her still having because they changed the dreams to look like Skrulls did it. But, but I guess what I was getting at is, like, they know Marvel. Marvel was one of them. Spoilers for the end of this movie, I guess. I mean, I think what it comes down to, yeah, I mean, like spoilers, obviously, what it comes down to is they want the location of that engine. They want the power source, and what better way to do it than this person who so. was there? Help to jog her memory without yeah. jogging it too much. Yeah. Yeah. So then I actually, what did I write in my notes? I wrote collectivism without empathy is dangerous. Mm. For the good of all Cree. That's the, for the good of know. like, yeah. it has this vibe of like, you would think this would be a utopian society, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually terrifying. Yeah. The the artificial intelligence as as leader is like you know we you know at, at some point you, your computers get so good it's like you know what what do we need a president for anyway the executive it's really hard <laughs> let's let the computer do it what could go wrong we're fine this is we're fine but also we've been like. As a society, we've been talking a lot about the collective good and, like, how no one's doing anything for the collective good right now, and it's causing us to be stuck in our homes yeah. mm-hmm. ten months later. Yep. And I'm like, you know what? Having a society that cared about the collective good would be a great thing if it didn't mean, like, detaching yourself from all of your emotions and personal identity. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta balance these things. You gotta balance. I think they'd make Spock embarrassed. Well, no, no. I mean, well, Spock would Spock would be embarrassed for them in that he would be like, "You're lying to yourselves. You're not actually, you know, ra- rational, logical, and and unemotional. 
you're you're putting this veneer yeah. of of you're putting on the the veneer of rationality and and logic, which is something that you know, like the sort of like the guy that Jan Rog is is sort of playing the you know the 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 abusive ex boyfriend or the guy online who's like, why won't AOC debate me? You know that guy who says <laughs> that guy who says he's so logical and so rational, but mm, no, he's not. So I guess yeah. that's kind of the idea of like the the straight cis white man as the default, and then everything is degrees off of that mm-hmm. um, he definitely thinks that his experience is the default experience and he is right yeah. whereas there is without realizing there is no default experience yeah, and and, yeah. and that kind of comes up later in like you know his insistence that you can't win unless you beat me at my game you know which is you know yeah. no superpowers <laughs> and just the hand-to-hand fight he's like you have to beat me the way i say you have to beat yeah me. Yeah, well, well, we will come back to that scene. Of course. We have uh, uh, Veers gets cleared to go off on this mission, and we have and we have our first, you know, squad march. Squaddies! It's a pretty good squad march. Yeah, like, it really yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, they're it good. Is, they're killing you know? it. Good suits. I like the suits. They all look badass. They're they're sufficiently like sci-fi and but they still kind of mm-hmm. look practical. But they're not like the sort yep. of dull black leather of the X Men movie. You know, it's good. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's good. I like it. I actually i I didn't pay enough attention to it, um, but I did notice at one point that Jan Rog's like the star on the chest is definitely changes the insignia changes with their rank because his is yeah has like another level to mm-hmm. it that I didn't see on anyone else's so yeah. Yeah. like there's more sort of florets there's more sort of like background to it more star mm-hmm. yeah that tracks makes yeah. sense which makes sense like i assume every military has some yeah there there that. are levels of, of doing that like adding oak leaves and stuff to to insignias there was yeah there was um oh that's one of the things i lost in the fire that i really liked was uh, i had a, a set of captain pips from uh battlestar galactica uh-huh. And the way that the Battlestar yeah. Galactica ranks were worked was really cool. It like, you know, starts with a very commander. basic kind of, uh, chevron or, or, yeah, or sort of like, uh, triangular shape adds on to it, like with each level. It was, it was really cool. So they head out to this planet called Torfa, which I thought was a nice little nod to Kelly Sue. Yeah, that was the little kid, right? Yeah, it's the one with the little kid. They found like the little kid from Torfa in an yes. escape pod or something. I've read that one. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's the one. Wasn't that also the one where she... There was some making out between Rhodey and Carol oh, before she left for the sure, space. For sure. Yeah. Well, just a little. Just a little. Like, a little. There, was like mm-hmm. there was like a party mm-hmm. at a hangar and they were outside yeah. like up against the wall. <laughs> but Get room, much. you guys. Not much. Said Jessica Drew. No, no. <laughs> uh, the one thing I did really notice are with the, the helmet with the hair coming out that you sometimes see. They... In the comics, some, of, some of the CGI with this was questionable, but it was a good. <laughs> they tried. An attempt was, it was made. It was a they, valiant effort. An attempt was made, and no <laughs> one can criticize them except for us. The sort of helmet and mohawk look is, it, you know, it's kind of interesting. I've never liked it. That is an entirely valid criticism. I'm going to just say that I've never liked the helmet and mohawk mm-hmm. look. I don't think it looks. I mean, you can draw it and make it look kind of cool. Sometimes, yeah, but it, trying to make a person look good yeah, that way. Yeah, it definitely works better in the comics than it ever does. It's hard. As, yep. You know, concept artists, digital artists, you guys that yes, worked A on plus. it on this movie, valiant effort. 
A for effort. It doesn't yeah. it doesn't break anything for me. It's fine. It was it's just fine. a moment of oh, this that okay, that's weird. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Um they definitely split up because Minerva ends up away from the rest of them and like they're yeah, comms cut they're out. So Yeah, she's per- She's providing yes. Overwatch. She's she's the sniper, and so the sniper takes up a position where she can watch what the rest of the team does and shoot people around them. Because they're there looking for a Cree soldier or scout or something who has information right. and may have yes. been compromised. A spy. And so they're so it's a, right. So it's um a Cree spy. It's an extraction mission, and they get down there, mm-hmm. and Carol's like, "I can go by myself," and Youngrod's like, or "Sorry, Veers." And Yonrog is like, no, I don't want you to. Um, and then she goes anyway, and then they have to end up, they have to deal with the people. <laughs> In this instance, he was kind of right. It's like, this is a great place to get ambushed. He has his rank for a reason. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Minerva's, ta- Minerva's up as the as the sniper spotter, and um, they find some people on the service. Some people and- The locals. Yeah, the, the locals, men. the indigenous population. Yeah, I got a, I got a very uh, zero yeah. dark thirty vibe yeah. from this. Scene. Yeah, and then like she's like, she's gonna start shooting because she's out of like mm-hmm. out of communication with everybody, and she doesn't and know then what's Atlas going on. Atlas shows up, and Atlas, Atlas, Atlas shows up. He's like, no, 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 they're just starving yeah. refugees. He's like, no, 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 it's fine. Just starving refugees. It's fine until he's there in her scope. <laughs> And she's like, wait a second. And this is still the point when, like, and even for, you know, us who had, you know, comic knowledge of what the Kree and the Skrulls were, like, we could absolutely believe that the Skrulls are the bad guys. They framed it well. They framed it very well. So, But what's interesting is, like, this is sort of our first sighting, other than the dream, this is our first, like, Skrull encounter. And what all he's trying to do is get her to stop shooting. Right. And now that I know how it goes down the line, I'm like, oh shit, mm-hmm. that that's really revealing early on. That guy absolutely got the drop on her, and yeah. like, if he was, you know, he should have just killed her. He 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 was in a position to just kill her, and his mm-hmm. team would have been better off. More of his people would have survived. So Carol Veers thinks she's found the dude, the the yeah. Kree soldier, and he remembers. He knows the codes. He knows like all the yeah. stuff that he's supposed to know. And that's when she gets ambushed. Zap. Zapped and spirited away to a scroll ship where she has some crazy ass dreams slash memories slash it's a really wild trippy scene. It's one of my favorites in the movie just because it's weird. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Like and you hear the interrogators like talking over you hear Ben Mendelsohn's. You seeing all the different carols. Yeah, so one of them is, like, um, just before they take off that last day. And then they go too far back, and it's and it's her driving the go-kart. It's little McKenna Grace. It's little McKenna Grace. It's baby Theo from Haunting of Hill House. Um, and and they go, you know, they go kind of forward and backwards, and you see you see some of Maria before you know who, he, who she is. And then once you get, once they finally pull it back to that sequence at the hangar with Marvell or with Lawson... They keep forcing Carol to turn around, and and I, yeah. I just I, I love, love that it. bit. And you can see that she's starting to catch on. Something's yeah. not right. Yeah. She's like increasingly uncomfortable with this repetition. I prefer the view from up there. She's like, why am I saying this again? Didn't I just say it? Like in those dreams where you're like doing the same thing over again or 
Or you're trying to read something, but it's a dream, so you can't flip and read. When she starts waking up and, like, she's hanging upside down, which is hilarious. <laughs> and then and then the one thing comes over, the one skull comes over and, like, taps her on the taps forehead. Taps on the forehead. It's like, hey, that did something. We are the scrolls. Welcome to our dungeon. Hello. <laughs> it's kind of cute. Like, that's one of my big takeaways from that scene is they're kind of hapless and kind of cute. And I guess even if these guys are evil, they are an the evil. The one scroll like. with like the googly yeah. eyes. There was like there's like one of them with like the big eyes. I'm like, oh, you poor bastard. <laughs> You're gonna get beat up. And then she basically like heats up the metal enough to compromise its integrity and mm-hmm. pulls her arms free. Her arms are still like inside these metal canisters, and she still kicks everyone's ass. This is the first time we really yeah. see the like even just a smidge of her potential power, mm-hmm. like because yeah. you know she had to rein it in, just stomping on everybody. Yeah, you know, I, on this scene, like with her, like with with the uh, you know the stumpy arms, mm-hmm. I got a weird like I got like a very strong Buffy the Vampire Slayer feel off of this scene. Huh. Like, it just yeah. kind of felt like you know sort of it just felt fun. Yeah, like that. yeah. You know, like oh look at this blonde chick, blonde blonde woman like beating up all these people. <laughs> You know, this absurd situation where she can't, like, actually do anything. Like, ah! I'll get that vibe from another That's scene good. later on, but we'll we'll come back to it when we get there. Um, but yeah, she just stops all over them. And then she stops to pick up her boots and, and smash the screens of when the guy from her memories is saying, you know why they call it a cockpit, right? Oh, oh <laughs> why do they call it a cockpit? I'm gonna go yeah, go look, look that up for us, because I don't actually know <laughs> other than sexist puns from from wikipedia uh the original meaning of cockpit first attested to the 1580s is a pit of fight it has to do with it has to fight cockfighting it has what (laughs) What? it's it's about fighting cocks what i don't know what to do with that gee and yet it makes perfect sense (laughs) it does planes are birds you're fighting other planes Birds. Yeah, you're fighting. Yeah, you're in a bird. And then she escapes, but I forget well, exactly so how she ends. She up still got her hands bound, right? And then eventually, she just kind of like goes all out and just blows them off her hands. And in doing so, she basically blows up the ship, right? Like she, her photon blasts like destroy the integrity of the hull, and and then. You know, she gets sucked out the side, kind of like, you know, that old movie Aliens. <laughs> How old is this kid? <laughs> no, I didn't carbon date him. <laughs> and then, you know, she, she we have her, our first hint at the flying when she, you know, shoots herself back in. And then she gets to the um, escape pod and then Talos sneaks up on her and or that's earlier or something. But eventually she gets out of the escape pod and then, you know, the thing falls apart and she lands in a blockbuster which brings us to a section of my notes called things i miss from the 90s (laughs) and number one is blockbuster (laughs) i think there's only one left i think it's in like alaska alaska john oliver donated um uh russell crowe's gladiator underwear to them i think yeah yeah he did he did it's become it's become sort of like a tourist destination. Like people go, th- people fly to go out there. So it's, 
I think that one's probably going to stand at least for a generation. It's the last block blockbuster oh. on the last frontier. I enjoy that. Uh, yeah, so she goes. So it's the middle of the night when she crash lands, and then she and then gets she heads out to the parking the parking lot. Who's oh god? What was the song? What was the song he was listening to? What it's what a man. What a man. What, what a man. man. Oh, that's unfortunate. They're they're teasing that guy. This poor guy who's just sitting in his car. And then and then she goes, where can I find some communication equipment? <laughs> the other place that doesn't exist. And we get to see another <laughs> icon of the 90s. But first, I think she asked him if he, he was in charge of security for this sector. And then he says, uh, yeah, but the movie theater has their own guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And one of the things I I really like about this is that she's just like, I am bringing my culture with me and forcing everyone to feel uncomfortable. Like, she's not... With Captain Marvel, she's coming there and she's like, I'm from Kree, you know, we're the superpower in, in the in the galaxy. You know yeah. who and it's we like, are. You know who, come on, you, yeah. you know who I am. It, it'd be like an American, like, crash landing in the middle of, uh, you know, nowhere and, and and just being like, you know, walking up to the locals and be like, hey, so uh, what's the situation here? Here's my social security <laughs> number and this is my American passport and why can't I go to the American embassy and get exactly what I want? <laughs> That's exactly what an American would do, by the way. Yeah, and so she's doing that, but she's an alien, so she's just like, hey, you know about, like, the sectors and the galaxies and yeah, yeah. the security force. I'm with the Kree security force. I'm a hero. Cool. I really love it. It it has a competency competency kink element that I just... <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, Yeah, so, you know, she goes to the Radio Shack and gets a ga- and steals a Game Boy and takes it apart for the, uh, for the parts, and then uh, you know, she knows how to use a payphone. <laughs> yeah, it, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> she made the payphone work for her. Well, yeah, okay, so, so one, a payphone doesn't make sense to the modern audience, but also it's just like, okay, here's a telephone and a Game Boy and some other things from a Radio Shack. I, I suppose the big, like, MacGuffin mix that makes it work is she has her computer on her right. list. Yeah. So, okay. Fine. That thing's doing the heavy lifting. Look, an alien just fell into a blockbuster. Let's not go... Let's not get into the yeah. weeds over the telephone. It's like, what do you need the payphone for? <laughs> I don't get it. So she makes contact with her team. Yep. Who, we had skipped over this earlier, but she had previously made contact with them, and they said, uh, don't go to C-53. And, of course, she we don't... She do C-53. We don't really know why they said don't go to C-53, but it's because we know that C-53 is Earth, so. I did love that call. She's like, yeah, I'm on C-53. And, like, at the end, it's like, have you ever been to this planet, C-53? You're like, yeah, once. It was a shithole. (laughs) (laughs) I mean. And then, you know, we have a a car pull up. Speaking of competency, King. (laughs) And this rookie shows up. Clark Gregg. Ah, missing from the movies for so long. Oh my god, that face. I I was wondering, like, the de-aging work on both Coulson and Fury is so good. It's really good. Is there, are we going to get to a point where we're gonna go look back and look at this movie and go, oh god, that's awful? I don't think so. I don't know. I I don't know. I I don't think so. Well, I mean, you know, I say that I don't think so, but 
um, you know, you, you watch a movie you haven't watched in like 15 mm-hmm. years and then you look at the, you know, the CGI and you're like, wow, that's awful. But mm-hmm. if you think about it, like the, when I first saw that movie, I'm not thinking of a particular movie, but there are a number of movies where I saw them like 15, 20 years ago, or even just 10 years ago, um, where it's just like, I think the CGI is great. And then I watch mm-hmm. it now and I'm like, this is awful. Where were we in the movie? Uh, Fury has clearly come to try to arrest her. And Fury with two eyes. With two eyes. F-U-R-I-I. <laughs> Stop it. Um, but he has clearly come to arrest her. He walks up to her. Yeah. And like, excuse me. And she's right over her head. It does not even occur to her that this might. Yeah. 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 Because she's Kree Starforce. Yeah. Yeah. She's the law. She supersedes all of them. Yep. Yeah. And just like with the security, she, as far as she's concerned, this is just another security guard. And she's like, okay, fine, buddy. You know, <laughs> go ahead and say what you want to say. Yep. But I've got, I've got work to do. Uh, you guys are in danger. I'm here to save you. Like, and then, and then he says, and then he asks something about the, the scrolls. And she says, congratulations, Agent Fury. You have finally asked After a relevant <laughs> question. <laughs> And that very relevant question is answered by a Skrull shooting at them from the roof. And then she shoots back. Right. And then that kind of kicks off this big chase scene where she goes after the Skrull and Fury and Coulson take off in the car. And here we have the Stan Lee cameo, which they had to reshoot. Right. They uh, they reshot it so that she smiled. For her reaction, yeah. So, yeah, Stan Lee's cameo where he's reading the Mallrat script. So in this universe, and like he's saying, like you know, you know, true believing. So he's saying that, like, what do we think that means? <laughs> so the movie Mallrats exists in the MCU, and <laughs> and so the scroll has disguised itself as an old woman, which is actually kind of brilliant. It is because when she punches him, everybody grabs her. Yeah, everybody's like, "Hey, wait a second, that's not right." Actual competent bystanders. And then that moment where the where the scroll turns into the other guy and the other guy sees it happen. It's like, wait, what? Uh... So while all of this is going on, Coulson and Fury are, like, following the train. Um, and all of a sudden, Fury gets a hey, phone call. Hey, 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 boss, I'm back, I'm back at the blockbuster and I finished gathering all the evidence. Uh, where did everybody go? And then, like, scroll Coulson reaches for the steering wheel and they, like, they fight over in it and like spin out and crash into a van, and um and then that's when Fury sees Scroll Coulson's like died and turned back into a scroll. Well, he's unconscious, and right, they were going right. to meet the train at the station, which is where we pick up with Carol or Veers, who who has lost track of the scroll, the dude, the guy in the purple sweater, maroon sweater. And so Carol's like looking around and. Seeing all these people, and one of the cameos right here is... It's Mama Shark! Mama Shark! It's Kelly it's Sue! Mama Shark gives her some ferocious stink eye. And I'm just, like, really glad that they gave her this cameo, because, like, Carol Danvers' Captain Marvel would not be what she is today without Kelly Sue's work. Like, she's the one who really elevated her to the level she that is. she is now. So she's, like, looking around being like, oh my god, any one of these people could be the scroll. I don't know where he is. I lost him. And it's like freaking out. I mean, she's used to that prospect. That's their that's their enemy. So she's not terrified. She's she just is. frustrated. Like, that's her job. She's frustrated and annoyed. And all the humans around her are just like, what? Mm-hmm. Nice suit. But what? 
And then she leaves the station, and then we pan back across the street to Fury, who is waking up. So Carol ends up going to, like, an internet cafe where she's looking up the the bar right. on she Alta to, Vista? Which, which I also wrote down oh, on my man. things on this from the 90s Internet list. cafe! I do not miss internet cafes. Oh. Um, right, so she's trying, she figures if she can find Lawson, right, if she can find Pegasus, because that's what they were probing for in her mind, if she can find out more of the stuff that's in her mind, then maybe she can figure the shit out. So she's trying to find... Which, for 1995, good job, Dive Bar, on having some sort of online review or presence. Forward thinking. Well, I mean, if um, if that bar, like, is used to having a military, like, if they've got a base nearby, if they're used to having a military contingent, then they're they're more plugged in than most. All right, so Carol heads outside. Was this before the internet scene? I I don't know. Anyways, either ways, uh, Carol sees a dude on a motorcycle who tells her to smile. Something I guarantee that all our AFAB listeners have heard. Like, she already drew a lot of attention to herself, and I think she's trying not to draw as much attention to herself right now. So she, like, steals the, the like, clothes off the mannequin. And I know a lot of people wanted the deleted scene version of this, but I actually prefer yeah. that she didn't punch him. Yeah. Or that whatever... It's unnecessary. That she just stole his motorcycle, because that's just, that's still, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then we go back to the, the weird autopsy. Alien autopsy, which, another 1995 thing. Did did any, did either of you watch, like, the, the Fox, like, you know, the Fox Channel uh, alien autopsy, like, faux documentary bullshit? Oh, that was so much fun. But that, 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 I got. Nope. Definitely not. Oh, and this was, this is the first Fury fake out with the eye. Yeah, because like, you know, if we have a character who is famous for having one eye, and you start off this movie with two eyes, you kind of know something's going to happen. Didn't lose it on that one. But not yet. Nope, not yet. This is actually, uh, Fury says the line. So Fury says the line, he's not from around here, which is actually exactly how he referred to Loki in Avengers. <laughs> right. So um, good on that. And uh, the doctor yep. saying like, oh, well, these aren't carbon-based life forms. And then uh, Fury's boss shows up, played by the wonderful and then, Ben Mendelsohn. And then the, the, the much wonderful Ben Mendelsohn shows up. But then you have that moment that was like super unnecessary where they're like, oh, we, we don't want to lose a lot of good men. And then they... They, they lift up the the tarp. It's a little weird. Look at its genitals. Definitely a little weird. But then you we go right into the creepy, you know, the creepy close talking over the corpse. I love you, buddy. It's gonna be great. I I love you. Bye bye. Here's your coins for Karatos. I like that they outed him as a scroll for us right away. Because it makes that, that twist later, it makes it easier to, to take. Like, because if we don't know that he's the scroll until, like, that bunker sequence, then it's, you know, not as expected. And we're, you know, it's just... It's like you have to, you have to, you have to have those multiple like changes where it's like one it's like oh this you know he's this guy and then later you say the the actual reveal has to come later of oh the scrolls aren't what you think they are that would be like too much i don't know spending the whole time wondering if like oh who's a scroll and who's not it's like 
that's way too secret invasion and that's like not what this movie is trying to be yeah and when you know that your enemies are shape changers it's kind of like well this is just par for the course and this is just what's going to happen so of course we'll just let you know yep and now we got carol revving her engine to i'm only happy when it rains and it's awesome yep heading off on her stolen motorcycle and she pulls up to the bar and then like this is a really yep. you know cool sequence it is and then she gets into the and she sees like the ghosts of all of those memories which i really love like the pinball machine and the karaoke and so she's like grilling the bartender because she sees that like photo that has the pegasus logo on it and uh before he, he like he doesn't know anything and then fury steps out did you have a rough day agent fury the roughest and like even like right off the bat they have like truly spectacular on screen like bro chemistry. Yeah, they have like the best buddy cop energy. But you still have this tension of like she thinks he might be a scroll, he doesn't really trust her. So okay, so there's like this the scene where she's asking him all these questions, but like Yeah, she wouldn't know the answers. I'm like this is a pointless right. exercise. Like if you're a if you're a scroll and you're and part of how you conduct war and how you, you know, survive in the universe is to impersonate other people in other species and other sort of things, it, it if that's what you do, you would know that somebody like might ask like right. these kinds of questions and you might sort of have a strategy for how you answer these silly questions. But the thing is like the strategy for answering those silly questions is usually for having to answer questions for somebody that the person whose identity uh, yeah. you stole. So they would know the answers. But Captain okay. Marvel knows – I mean she knows none of the answers. He couldn't make it all up, which – when she does her bit about like a scroll, you know, like she does the photon blast and like, you know, a scroll can't do that. How the hell does he know that? Also, there's no reason for him to believe that that a scroll can't do that. Her their entire their entire exchange kind of like, is kind of- pointless. <laughs> it's it's a little maddening. This this exchange drives me a little crazy. If toast is cut diagonally, I can't eat it. Come on. So there's, like, all these people who love to point out that in Age of Ultron, he is seen eating a sandwich that is cut diagonally. Mr. Snoopers. And they want to get into the weeds about that, but I have, I counter that. That was a sandwich. That's not toast. Not toast. Details matter. Because that's not toast. But uh, I guess the diagonal toast is pretty much enough, because then uh, he agrees to take her to the, uh, to the Pegasus. Yeah. So we have like Fury gets the talks a little bit like uh, he's basically retelling to us what Carol has told him in the car, which is that the the Skrull sim alien races to infiltrate and take over planets. And I'm just like, hmm, that's basically what the Kree do, only without the simulation. Yeah, like, do you think they're possibly an Imperial force? Like, mm, I don't know. So they have that like conversation where he asks like, what's in it for you? And she, she gives this very like, Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, memorized answer, like, she's doing it to, like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, they're the bad guys, and she needs to stop them, but he, he like, kind of gets, like, he knows a rogue soldier when he sees one, yep. and he asks what's in it for her. Um, pull up to to the base, and he, like, gives over his identity, like, identifies himself as Nicholas J. Fury, and she's like, you have three names. Everybody calls me yeah. Fury. And that's good foreshadowing. He's like, "What do your mother? What does your mother call you, Fury? What do your What would your kids call you if I have them? If I have kids, they'll call me Fury." Just funny 
because the Avengers were all basically his kids and literally all of them call him Nick. Tony calls call him, him Nick. Nick. Steve calls him Nick. But, Natasha calls him Nick. But to be fair to those people, they're all drastically more powerful than him. <laughs> the The dynamic there is like, eh, buddy, we call you what we want. Yeah. And once he gets to be director, part of becoming director of S.H.I.E.L.D. is letting go that bit of his ego where he has to be called something in particular. It doesn't matter what these people call him as long as they follow his orders. Yep. And then uh, they go down into, you know, the Pegasus system, which reminded me a lot of, like, the old Stargate, t- the Stargate TV show, because they had, like, the Air Force base, like, in it the did. mountains. It did. Fury, like, tells her to take off the flannel and gives her a shield hat, and it's like, you look like somebody's disaffected so, niece. Disaffected niece. Does announcing your identity on clothing help with the covert part of your job? <laughs> well, when you're on a military installation that requires biometrics to get in then it's okay. Mm-hmm. You wear the shield hat mm-hmm. when you get inside the installation that took your thumbprint. Oh man, biometrics are fun. I remember uh, a, a take your kids to work day once back in the uh, in the mid-90s. My dad took us to uh, the, the place right. where he worked and they had the gate that you had to go through to get in there. There was a row of basically telephone booths and the way the booth works is it took it took your handprint, it takes your retinal scan. Yeah, that was really cool. Uh, when we did the take your kids to work day thing, all the kids get to go around the telephone booths. Was there cake at the end of this take your child to work day? There were donuts. There were donuts. Okay, so there wasn't a murder a murder AI at the end of that. That's good. No, no murder AI, just lots of missiles. And it's a good thing the evil robot does not have control over those. This is true. Yeah, the AI doesn't get to control certain things, and it never will, unless we make Cree-level mistakes. So basically, as soon as they bring up that they're looking for Lawson, they're taken downstairs and, like, locked in this office. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, then, I, and then Fury gets to be MacGyver. Yeah, I like his tradecraft. I like that. That was very smooth. It's good work. Good work, buddy. I mean, he isn't the future director of S.H.I.E.L.D. for nothing, good right? Work. Good for you. Me too. But uh, that that's not before he pulls out his pager and, like, <laughs> tells his pager. boss where they are and oh. what's going on. <laughs> So they've busted out of the office, and uh, as they're, like, looking for the records room, they are approached by a cat. A cool cat. A cool name for a cool cat. I I, I know that they were going for the Top Gun reference with Goose, but I am still really, really sad that that they didn't name the cat (sighs) Chewie. Oh, well. I am too, but I I still like Goose. Goose is a good... He's a good boy. Well, you know, if Goose is interested oh. in maintaining his uh, his cover uh, in human civilization, then he has to be a new cat. And maybe if he shows up in the future, he can be named Chewy. Maybe then he'll be Chewy. Yeah. Because cats are only supposed to live like 20 years tops. I will forever be sad that Brie Larson is super allergic to cats. What? Oh, no. Yeah, so most of the bits when she's near Goose, it's a CGI cat. Oh, wow. Samuel L. Jackson was the one who really interacted with, um, kind of, what was the cat's Reggie? Was Reggie the cat's name, I think? Wow. So it's a lot cheaper to do a CGI cat than to give her, like, Zycam. I think her allergies just must have been so yeah. bad that, like, wow, she would have gone into anaphylactic shock or something. I don't know. 
So um, they make it to the Wreckers room and Fury's like about to like undo his little tape and use it for the fingerprint all over again. And Carol just like blasts her way into the room. And, and yeah, and his little bit about like, you let me like waste yeah. my time on doing yeah. that. Like, okay, <laughs> I want to steal yeah. your thunder. Yeah, well, the not stealing your thunder thing, but also there's something to be said for leaving no trace. Exactly. Like, like it's, it's not, you know, it's, you know, if that's all you've got, then yes, break down the door. But if you can solve a problem non-violently and cleverly, do that. Yep, and then they find the, the loss in files, and they start looking through them. She's and crazy. when they open them up, they're She's like, cuckoo. oh, oh, uh, this, this, <laughs> this, uh, this loss in person was crazy. She's yeah, she's and Carol's crazy. like, uh, "No, I can read this. She, she's not crazy. This is these are crazy. This is a language." And so, like, they go through this file and find out that like Lawson died in a um, in a plane crash along with the pilot who was with her, and but Maria Rambo was the last one to yeah, see them alive. Yeah. Right, Maria was the last one to see her see them both, and like it's all super redacted. And then Fury leaves, and she stays and looks at and finds the picture. Right, there's the picture with her in the background, and that's, I guess, when Fury goes to meet his boss? Fury goes, that's right, Fury goes up top to meet his boss, because they're still, at this point, gonna, like, apprehend her. And then they get in the elevator, and, and the boss says, excellent work, Nicholas! And Fury's just like, red flag, red flag, red flag, so he, like kind of tests it out by like um so he kind of like tests it out by mentioning a uh, mm-hmm. an operation they were on together in Havana that totally happened gee we're we're dealing with like shape shifting dudes i i wonder if that shape shifting dude turned into my boss no no surely not so while that's happening carol like i guess hijacks another phone to call back to yon rog and was like um i think i think i was here before I think I had a life here, she says, yeah. And he just, like, plays super dumb and not really convincingly. There's some report here, but I I haven't read it. Oh, no, I don't know anything about that. Oh, Oh, sweetie, you should come home and stop asking questions. Yeah, Carol decides she's just going to leave, and she starts to head out on her own when she hears, like, two agents passing her by. And it's Coulson! Yeah, yeah, one of them is Coulson, and, um... He's like, what? We're we're gonna take them. We're gonna take her dead or alive. What? Yep. And Fury dead or alive. And then she's like, yep. God damn it! I can't leave him here. She she feels for Fury the way Fury feels about the cat. Yep. So I have I have written down for this uh, for this confrontation between Nick and uh, Talos. We know he's Talos. I have written down shoot shoot yeet this bitch empty yeet. <laughs> Look, I mean, if you <laughs> run out of bullets, at least exactly. the gun is still good for bludgeoning. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's better for bludgeoning if you keep it in your hand. But you know, Talos just seems like super unfazed by the whole thing. Yeah, aliens. Aliens somehow seem to keep being immune to kinetic impact weapons. Mm-hmm. It's almost like their vital organs are not in the same places. Well, no, I mean, it's just not fair. Well, okay, their their vital organs are not in the same places, but they can only be in so many places. It's like if you shoot in the center mass of a, of a living organism, it should die. Most likely, but what, should, if, there's, what if their vital organs are like the size of my 
fingernail. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think like I think the trick to most aliens surviving human bullets is the uh, you know the, the script. Yeah. The script. Well, the skin is 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 the explanation, but the real truth of it is that the uh, writers don't want human guns to work. Yeah. So just as it looks like Fury is kind of toast, Carol blasts her way through, I guess, the ceiling. And anyways, she grabs him and they run out of there. And she's basically the first thing she does is like, hand me your pager. You clearly can't be trusted with it. My bad. Oops. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that was, that was cute. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> he's been grounded. Yeah, they're standing, they're holding a door closed, and she slaps him on the chest and says, hand it over. <laughs> like, <laughs> Hand over your communic your communication device. Yep. So they're, like, trying to escape, really and as they're heading up the stairs, they run into Coulson. And one of the other agent calls down, like, is he, is he down there? And Coulson's just like, no, no, yep. nobody's down here. Better keep going. We're, we're gonna keep going. And he lets them, he lets them get away. And then we have the introduction of what I consider to be the Quinjet Mark I. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely what it is. This is clearly where the Quinjet came from. Like, what a silly ob- what a, what a silly plane this is. Woo! Yeah. So they get in and... It's a plane with a stage inside it. That's one of those things about, like, the Quinjet and, like, you know, like, the, the sort of, like, Avengers jets is they have a nice, huge level space on the inside so that you can have your actors move around and do... And it's the same thing with uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy, like, uh, the, the Milano, that ship... Huge on the inside with a nice big space for the actors to move around and and act. They are all TARDISes. Talos is shooting at them, but they manage to escape. They escape with a stowaway. Now they talk about, you know, where are we going to go? And Carol's like, you know, we need answers. So, like, why don't we go to the last person who saw them alive? How do we get to Louisiana? Where were they? Were they in New Mexico or California or the ch- all of the all of the initial stuff with like the cha- the train chase and all of that? I'm pretty sure was L.A. Now, so it would have been ooh. somewhere out in the desert ish in that, like Nevada or something. Well, oh, yeah. so they were at Area 51, the, mount- the mountain base, like the alien autopsy thing. It'd be Area 51 or something. Lee Pace reprising his role. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're le- he's leading a force that shows up and bombs the fuck out of a planet. Like, I think, I think I remember when this movie was like in production, and like you know, I was like, "Oh, Lee Pace is coming back," and I'm like, "Oh, great! They're gonna give him an opportunity to be the bad guy he should be. Maybe they'll let him, you know, grow as a character, and Lee Pace will get to act." Nope. No. <laughs> nope. He's just He has four lines and he runs away at the end. Bit part. <laughs> and from there we have our gay reunion. And so the first person we meet is little Monica. And this this actually turned out to be like super controversial because uh, as a lot of people pointed out, Monica Rambeau was technically Captain Marvel before Carol was Captain Marvel. Okay. and So I recently read Secret Wars to my son. So Mo- that's Monica Rambeau, right? Like, is the Captain Marvel in that? With the- yeah. yeah. Okay. Photon, yeah. If you're, if you're mad about that part, you should also be mad about... The- I mean, that's... That doesn't make any sense. You should also be mad about the fact that, like, Carol Danvers existed in the 70s. It's kind of a... It's kind of 
the race thing. It's like the Human Torch and the Captain America things. I think there was a lot of frustration among fans that, like, they took this really strong black woman and made her a young girl. But, like, at the same time, she had to be a little girl in the 90s in order to be an adult in, like, the 2020s. Yeah, she gets to be be a very strong character in the 2020s. We're taking this snapshot of 1995, and the all rest, right. all of the rest of our movies exist in like 2018, 2020. Yeah. Which, you know, she's going to be in WandaVision yeah. as an adult. So, but like the other thing that I want to point out is that Monica got the role of like Lieutenant Trouble, who, like in the comics, Lieutenant Trouble is a, a white blonde girl named Kit, who is, like, there to remind Carol who she was when she lost her memories. Is a mirror to show Carol who she is. And Kit is my son's name. I still think it's really valuable that she got this role, this, like, part to begin with. Uh, that they, they, I don't know, just because that character relationship is so po- important, and I'm glad that they gave that to Monica. Yeah, me too. Also, I just really love Maria. I love Maria too, but they they definitely they did her dirty in this movie. Like I feel like the majority of her her dialogue or monologues or whatever are telling Carol like how great she is or what happened to her. She's she's just there to like fill in the dots of Carol's story. Well, she's exposition. She, she's, yeah, and she's, she's exposition heavy. She's Miss Exposition. She gets one of the coolest fights in the entire movie and we don't actually know that much about their relationship <laughs> so i know a lot of people ship them and i'm like good great we need more like women loving women representation but at the same time i'm like they could also just be friends and having like good solid platonic friendships is still like super important same i can go either way honestly like i totally if that's what if if they want to make it, you know, if they want to put them in a relationship and have it be a queer relationship, awesome. MCU needs it. But also, if you want to show the importance of strong strong female friendships, also awesome. The MCU desperately needs that, too. So like, I have the same feelings about, like, Steve and Bucky, which is like, yeah, sure, if you want to ship them, go ahead. But, like, we really, like, showing male friendships that are really close and emotionally important without necessarily being romantic or sexual are still important because we tend to devalue male friendships so much. We do. We definitely need more of that. I miss my friends. I miss miss my friends too. This this has turned into a sad podcast. (laughs) So like after um, Carol shows off her abilities and Monica goes to get all of Carol's stuff, it's just Maria and Carol, um, you know, having a conversation uh, in, in the kitchen. Yeah. And she says, hard is knowing you are out there somewhere too damn stubborn to die. Yeah, and she really, really is. She didn't die. <clears throat> I felt like, and I know we've we've talked about this in other movies, like when the MCU has this tendency when things get heavy to like immediately default to comedy. And I felt like this movie definitely did not do that the same way. It did in some cases, but it also, like, just kind of stuck with the moments longer. Like, it wasn't as fast. Yeah, like, this scene where it's, like, it's clearly a heavily emotional scene between Mm -hmm. Carol and Maria. It transitions out into, like, it's a lighter Mm -hmm. scene when Monica's, like, showing her all of her um, stuff and trying to remind her of what her life on Earth was like. But that's still, like, a really sentimental scene as well. Like, it's softer, but it's not, like, it's not, like, defaulting to comedy. 
And this is also where they pull out that, like, partial part of her her dog tags that were found that says Carol Dan. Danvers. And uh, I love this shout out to Star Trek The Motion Picture. Ah, V'ger. Voyager. Oh. I, I was just so mad at myself that I didn't see that coming. It was very smart. To be fair, Veers is a good name on its own. It is. It's cool. It's mysterious. I would name a hypothetical eighth child Veers. Okay. <laughs> That's when uh, Maria's neighbor knocks on the door and she's just like convinced that it's Talos and she's like Carol's just like uh-huh uh-huh sure yeah you're you're really you're really pushing this one <laughs> because he's talking like a person from Louisiana Louisiana is sus but uh like she Maria manages to get him to go away and then they turn around and then Talos is actually in the house yes <laughs> and yes. he's just there, like, sitting there with his, like, soft drink that he's slurping from. <laughs> I love, I love just the silence and the, and just the sound of him drinking through the straw. So, okay, all right, so, so, um, a part of, uh, absorbing, like, uh, the, this, you know, the subjects that they turn into, mm -hmm. they get knowledge, right? Like, is that, is that- Some like, of, like, they, the most- the most recent short-term memories. So they get some memories. So that explains why Talos keeps making cultural references. Right. Because he, he just keeps doing it. And it's like, you know, these idioms that would not make sense for an alien to say. It was mm -hmm. like, dude, no, stop it. I also love that Ben Mendelsohn gets to use his Australian accent, his yes. natural accent as yes. the alien. He's like, <laughs> like g'day, mate, I'm an alien. So at this point, Talos is like, hey, sorry about your boss. That was a thing that I kind of, you know, I had to do, but, but I'm here now. I come in He's peace. He's fine. He's fine. I, I am now before you as my He's true in self. A closet. <laughs> I just, just. And then, and then something rubs up against his leg. Ah! It's a flurkin! <laughs> oh my god, I love flurkin. that was uh that was Rocket Raccoon in the comics, um, who yep. freaked out about the flurkin. I think you know now. Yeah. So okay. So the way that that Carol, like, even when the cat like shows up first, and like, and Fury is like, I love it. Like, Carol is constantly giving it the eye. Like, she's constantly giving the cat the eye. Does she know it's a flurkin the whole time? I don't know. So, so the cat, so the flurkin goose would have been in her memories, like that that jumble mm -hmm. of memories, like because that's that's part of the thing that's repeated is oh he likes you. So that would have been there, but then also like, you know, she's Star Force, she knows things, so maybe she thinks yeah, because she's always standoffish with it. She keeps, because she, like, they kind of seem to make a point of her, like, looking at it, like, mm. Mm -hmm. So, like, mm -hmm. I mean, maybe she does. Maybe she does. I, I don't know. But, like, she's just, like, holding it out to him. Like, he, just, like, using the Florican cat <laughs> to torment <laughs> Talos. And I love that. You know, I, I it, maybe it isn't, but it feels like a reference to the mummy. Where he's, yeah, you know, like, oh, for sure. Oh, look what I for got. sure. That, yeah. yeah. It'll hold the cat up, just be like, I'll take this! Yep. Which, oh man, that is a 20-year-old movie. I get, that movie's a classic It now. is a classic. It's a classic movie. Oh my god, that's such a good movie. And he's like, uh, I, I have a, a potential olive branch here. Um, 
I got the black box from that crash. And so they pop in the tape and we get that sort of. I uh, love this bit. <laughs> it's like, what is it? do? What is it doing? It's loading. <laughs> and that's. And that. And that's not a thing that the. And that's not a thing that the aliens would have to deal with with their supercomputers or us in 2020. It's just like nothing take, you know, buffering what that rarely happens. What? CD. Physical media. So we finally get this like flashback to the fatal crash and we see Lawson and Mm -hmm. Carol trying to outrun Mm -hmm. a spaceship and they get hit and they crash and then like. Instead of a, a scroll showing up to do the bad things, uh, it's Yon Rog. It was Yon Rog. Yeah, yeah. And Carol just like legit. She's yeah, like, God. "Oh, you want this thing? You want the the blue glowy thing?" And she shoots it and explodes. And uh, yeah, and, she absorbs. And, and I'll say, you know, the the light show after that explosion, it really looked familiar. It looked like maybe we had seen it in another movie. Somewhere. Yeah, I don't know. It looks a little familiar. I, I mean, Is I don't this know when they introduced the uh, that that it was a light speed yeah yeah okay i'm just i just i hate that so much they're like it's the light speed engine meanwhile meanwhile the kree are hopping back and forth in space faster than light i think so i think the the concept i think the concept was as opposed to like you know these these jumps where they have to get to a certain point and then, and then they can make the jump through these hexagons. Like it's an engine that can make them travel fast. But they just keep saying light speed engine and it drives me flipping crazy when they all clearly travel faster than light. This entire conversation is happening that we're having is happening while Carol is listening to the recording on the black box. Which brings me to one of the questions that I have regarding this, right? So so we listen to everything, and then Carol, like, leaves the shed and goes into the backyard. And my question is, does she actually remember, or is it just she hears it? Because I'd be more on the side of she doesn't actually remember, and it's still a whole. I mean, my guess would be that she, like, it's like a partial memory. Like, maybe hearing it triggered the memory of that event, but she still doesn't, like, remember the the details of her life surrounding yeah, it, like it she doesn't flashes. remember the solid details of her childhood, or like it's just that. I mean, like it visualizes for us, but I think it, you know, right. it visualizes for us the same way that her dreams visualize for us. So, I mean, maybe you know, she she triggers hears it first something, and then yeah. hearing it brings it back. Like it 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 triggers and it and it yep. meshes with what she's already dreamed right. and what's already in her head. You know, she still doesn't have a clear memory of being Carol Danvers, you know, the child who had a go-kart crash. Right. And that and that theory would fit with some of the comic canon yes. as far as Carol's memory issues, where, like, sometimes her memories are returned, but the emotions behind them are not. Which I think was what happened after, like, the rogue stuff. Huh. The rogue stuff? As long as we're kind of talking about this, like... I, that was one of the most infuriating, well, not infuriating, but one of the things that I didn't like about the X-Men movies was that Rogue, because I, 
didn't read too many comics and most of my experience of the X-Men was from that 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 the animated series and so when and so when X-Men the first movie happened and Rogue couldn't fly and couldn't punch a sentinel to death I was just like wait why I mean I knew I knew why but it still bugged me that Rogue was so weak Yeah there's the Rogue stuff and and then there's like the actual like the stuff we're not even going to talk about because it's the worst. There's Avengers. There's the Avengers Annual Number Ten stuff. We we're just going to not even talk. Yeah, about like it. it's it's super triggery. So I I don't think we're going to talk about it. So Carol is now like on board to help Talos and his other Skrull buddies find the um, find Lawson's lab, and so like it turns out that. Uh, those coordinates that the squirrels had been searching so hard for—they're—they're uh, not—they're not, they're not <laughs> coordinates at all. It's like you're my science guy. You couldn't figure that out. Oh yeah. Which is another funny, and that's another funny moment because like Talos and the and the squirrels have been trying to find these numbers, and then like Carol looks takes one, and Maria take one look at them, and like, incredibly the advanced alien species <laughs> who flies through space. <laughs> and then we have. Possibly one of the best, one of the most, one of my favorite, I can't even get my words out, one of my favorite pieces of emotional manipulation is when Monica... Oh yeah, Monica is just like trying to convince her mom to go on the mission. Like, mom, like, is this really the example you want to be setting for your daughter? I don't know, you go, you go. I'm fine with being an orphan, go. But mom, that's how all you the great heroes. That's how all the great this. heroes are made. Yes. Go off and die. <laughs> Just give me a chance to be a motherless superhero. I mean, Bruce Lane, Bruce Wayne, Kal-El, all their parents are dead. Like also in here, the scrolls agree to upgrade our like proto Quinjet so that it can go to space. Yeah. It's a yeah. That's a hell of an upgrade. That is a that is a lot of an upgrade. Here's your fusion engine and and artificial gravity uh, generator. Woo! It's a thing of beauty. And then Monica's grandparents show up to take care of her. And then we fly off. Oh, but before they go, there's that scene. There's that little bit where Carol has Monica upgrading, like changing the colors on her suit. And you have a ton of Easter eggs in there. There's so many Easter eggs in there. And then you have, I think she actually calls her Lieutenant Trouble in this sequence. And then, you know, she does the red, the red, blue, and gold, which is, which is the new, the new suit thanks to, it was Jamie McKelvey who did the redesign, right? Uh, I have and issues it, with McKelvey. I mean, it's not actually, it's not actually with McKelvey. He just did the art for it. It's, it's really yellow. It's Young Avengers really Yeah, good. yeah. But that's a story for another day. <laughs> wait, uh, wait, uh, before they actually go, they have, uh, Jan Rog's people arrive, and they have that scene where, like, I guess, um, I guess the science squirrel dude impersonates Carol, Sims Carol, and is like, like, I don't know, I guess they're trying to buy time? Poor science guy squirrel. I don't, buy them time? I don't know, there would be better ways to buy time, like, an extended firefight would be a better way to buy time, like, I, I don't... I don't get that. Like, it, it, you know, it was kind of like a moment for, for Jan Rog to, to show his colors. But 
It's like, that's that wasn't a good choice. Why did you do that? Yeah. And then he calls in the accusers. Anyways, uh, they up in space, they find uh, they find the laboratory, like, after a minute of trying to, you know, remember to turn off the cloaking. And when they get inside, um, it definitely doesn't look like it's been abandoned for the last six years. Uh, you know, there's, like, a warm cup of coffee. <laughs> so, right, so Talos finds a baseball, and then he goes off, and he's, like, swanning off doing things. And then... Uh, we find more things that I missed from the 90s, like a pinball machine and uh, tro- and trolls. I miss trolls. To be fair, trolls are still a thing. My kids love Trolls World Tour. I have to listen to that soundtrack so many times. <laughs> and now we have what I have what I have written down is Captain Marvel, the search for Teddy. Yes. I honestly thought that's what's that's what was going to be revealed in this when I was in the theater. I thought that was going to okay. come up. So, I have this theory that the um the little scroll boy that we see like at the pinball machine being super proud of his score and everything, I I fully believe oh. Well, I'm like 99.9% sure that that is actually Teddy Altman. Because like canonically, canonically Teddy Altman is the son of Marvel and a Skrull. And since <laughs> Marvel is kind of dead at this point, um, she would have had to already have a kid. And, and also, like, I'm just, you know, working on the assumption that Skrulls age, like, m- much more slowly than humans, because he's like a child now. And like, I'm assuming he'll be a teenager around the time they decide to do Young Avengers, you know? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. We we live in a universe where 50-year-old Baby Yoda is fine. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> Baby Yoda! Um, yeah, so there was already, um, oh shoot, what was it, like a breakdown or something looking for... So there was already a breakdown for WandaVision that I saw that was looking for, like, casting for a scroll child that was in the custody of S.W.O.R.D. Or, like, being protected by S.W.O.R.D. Wait, so, wait, whoa, 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 in WandaVision, they, uh, I suppose we should save it, but they actually said sword? I think this, I think we might end up talking about this when we get to to Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah, I absolutely think Teddy, like, this is the perfect way to introduce Teddy. So, speaking of sword, and therefore space, uh, there is something else that is space-related in this space lab. And, and shortly after the pinball kid, we find this, tesseract? this, yes, this blue glowing object that Goose leads Carol over to. And both Goose and Carol are able to handle it without any other mechanisms. Like, cause it we does remember. not hurt them. And no one else can, because we know that, um, well, Red Well, fortunately, Skull no one else tries to touch right. it. Right. I mean, we all saw what happened to Red Skrull, Red Skrull, Red Skull when he, <laughs> when he tried that 50 years ago. <laughs> poor Nazi. No, not poor Nazi. Never poor Nazi. <laughs> um, but uh, speaking of uh, speaking of fascists, um, uh, it's all this wonderful like family reunion between, you know, uh, between Talos and his daughter and his Talos and his wife and daughter. It's kind of, you know, cut short. By Yon Rog. Yeah, and then and then you know 
Jan Rog uses the whole neck dampener thing to knock Carol out, and and then species flirking threat level high. <laughs> Spe- species human loaded up. That, that felt a little unnecessary, but okay. And then we get that um, come as you are scene with the supreme intelligence. I love it so much. I love it so much. Yeah, and so so that the supreme intelligence is like, um, oh, oh, you messed up. You let emotions get the best of you. You know, you're you're too emotional, and you're emotional because you're a human. You're only human. The AI played it wrong, and that's the key. That's the key. And then you have all the, you know, all of the versions of Carol, like, falling down yep. and getting back up. All, the, all those different memories where they, like, played through the memory of, like, falling off the rope, crashing on the go-kart. We only saw her fall. We didn't see her get back up. And then, so you see, as she, you know, fights back against the Supreme Intelligence, like, you see the lights are flickering, and you see the Tesseract in the lunchbox is actually reacting, because, you know, Carol absorbed the powers of the Space Stone, <laughs> like... The cuffs on Maria and, and Fury both break off and and uh, they get flirking back and then the prisoners are let out of their cells and then it's just so cool. And then they start playing yeah. keep away with the Tesseract and, uh, you know, they're gonna... And then just like all of a sudden, Goose just like... <laughs> and swallows the Tesseract whole. <laughs> That's terrifying. And then he just drops, he just drops him. And now that, you know, uh, Fury and Goose safely have the Tesseract, Carol takes the lunchbox they'd been keeping it in and starts this, like, she starts this epic game of keep away while just a girl blares in the background. It really is. Yes, It really is. And it's, and I know so many people were mad about it, but it's the perfect music. Who was mad about it? The music is perfect. They were mad about the song, Chris. They were mad about I'm Just a Girl. Yep. It wasn't trying to be a somber fight sequence. It was trying to be a fun fight sequence. Come as you are was important, and that's why I'm just a girl is important. Like, like as far as as far as like being a Buffy fight, it felt like uh, was it the season three opener where Buffy had run away and yeah. she got trapped in like the yep. hell dimension, and then at the end, like she realizes how strong she is. I'm gonna kill all of you monsters and free these kids. It felt like that fight scene. Yeah, she's playing. You know, she doesn't have control of everything. She's losing balance a couple of times, but she's playing. It's just Carol, like, fooling around with her new powers and figuring out how strong she actually is and having so much fun while doing it. And that's why the music choices just looks, it's, it is a upbeat, like, poppy song. Meanwhile, Goose has eaten an entire squadron of Kree Star Force. And then, and then, and then he refuses to eat more, and Fury goes, damn it, Goose, pick a side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but it because, turns out it was yeah. for a good reason. Goose is a smart yep. kid, smart flirkin'. I mean, it's not like anyone on their side is, like, a shapeshifter or anything, you know? <laughs> no, not at all. Oh, oh, what is it, what is it, what does he say, what does he say to tip Fury off? Just like in Havana. Because that's, right, right, that's what Fury right. said in the elevator. Yeah, so they get back onto the Quinjet Mark whatever, and they manage to escape. And then Minerva immediately escape. jumps in her own dropship and goes after them. Oh, poor Minerva. I know. Meanwhile, 
Carol is dealing with Yonrog. So now we're all out of the lab, and the Quinjet is descending, and Minerva is chasing them, and Maria gets probably the best, best moment, one of the best moments of the movie. It's a pretty good dogfight. It's, it's a good dogfight. It is. Like, you really oh, get a sense of how good a pilot Maria is. Like... Especially, well, okay, so as good a pilot as she is with a sh- crummy airframe, like that, that plane. It must, the handling on that must have been awful. Yeah, like, that thing is not a, a sleek jet fighter. Yeah. It is a cargo plane. Again, a plane with a stage inside yeah. it for your actors to move around. And, and she pulls, and she pulls some like, Anakin Skywalker level pod racing, like yeah, I maneuvers. was like, oh, that that doesn't seem aeronautically possible. Yeah, <laughs> not that I'm yeah. an expert on a- dog fighting, but I was like, wow. But yeah, that was like that turn, and then just coming around the other the other side of the canyon, and just uh, Minerva's face was just perfect. So we lost Minerva in an amazing dog fight. Which was sad. Bye bye, Minerva. We miss you. And then um, we had, you know, Yon Rog immediately shoots down onto the Quidjet. And then you have this uh, glowing streak of thing punch through Yon Rog's ship and cause him to crash. And no one knows what it is, except for us. We really do know what it is because, come on, what else is it going to be? Yeah, Yon, Yon Rog doesn't matter anymore. It's kind of it's kind of funny. Like there's there's got to be like a moment later where Yon Rog like gets confronted, but he doesn't. He doesn't need, matter anymore. He's, yeah, he doesn't matter anymore. Like his his danger to the rest of the characters is gone. He's been put out of the out of the equation, he, and now the immediate danger is um, the you know Ronan and the accusers. Bombers. Yeah, so like Ronan and uh, the rest of the accusers are like coming to bomb the shit out of Earth and. The their first attack gets like blown up in the atmosphere, and they're like, "Earth doesn't have any defense systems, no, but it has a defense person." Yeah, because she does like she does that Superman thing where she like intercepts the one thing and like it it stops, and then she manages to throw it back, and it blows up all the other ones. And like they get told, like uh, Jan Rog and like his team, they they tell Ronan that, oh, yeah, this this planet is overrun by the... Yeah, uh, blow it up. It's hopeless. Yeah, blow it up. It's hopeless. And and Ronan the Accuser is like, cool, genocide, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's fine. That's, all, that's the only excuse I need. And boy, Carol has so much fun up there. And then they're kind of like, yeah, um, you know what? I uh, I think we're good here. Um, Let's, uh, we'll, uh... We'll be back for the weapon. I love that moment when she when she pauses in front of the that window and like you can see like the light in her power and it like takes the shape of like the magnetic fields. Like if you've seen like the the drawings like if you draw out magnetic fields that's what they look like. And then she just like punches her hands together and it like dissipates into that single line. It's so cool. Oh, did we even know like when she like broke through the steam supreme intelligence and she walked through the door? And her hair was up, and it was like she was the a super binary Saiyan. moment. She was a super Saiyan. She was a super. Sa- she'd gone full. Of- her power level is over nine thousand. I was like, oh my god! This is like a fun moment in like time ta- in storytelling time travel, where it's like, 
what would have happened to future movies or in this well past movies if Carol had instead of just destroying the one ship had destroyed all of them like what if Lee Pace's Ronan the Accuser died in this moment I think what would have happened was Thanos would have found another lackey yeah but... yeah yeah <laughs> And now that the threat above has been taken care of, we uh, we head back down to uh, the surface of the planet, where Carol is going to confront the gaslighter in chief. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. But now is the time. Yo, fight me one on one without your powers. Yo. Just, just you and me. Yeah, it's good. Oh, come on, come on, come on, girl. Come on, girl. It's just, just like. No! Uh, I pick option number two. No. <laughs> like, he has no power over her anymore. She doesn't want his approval. She, do- she doesn't want anything to do with him. Like, his opinion doesn't matter. And this is, this is one of those bits, this is one of those bits they clearly filmed for the trailers and didn't put in the movie because, um, in the trailers it was like, I'm tired of, of men telling me what to do or something like that, and that's not the line that it shows up in the movie. Which I like the line that's in the movie better because it's I have nothing to prove to you and it's true and it's it's so perfect and she's just like I'm sending you home she does not kill him well we gotta before we start celebrating because when they were celebrating after blowing up Minerva you know something happens <laughs> in 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 that theater inside that ship uh, is that. Fury was so excited, and he maybe maybe he squeezed Goose a little bit too hard. And every cat owner, oh. every person who has ever owned a cat knows exactly what that face is. Knows what that face means, and they know to drop that fucking animal. And Goose is like, <laughs> and scratches Fury in the face. And we have it, and, and and he goes, "It's just a scratch." And Taylor goes, "Oh no, it's not." And then we finally we have the moment. <laughs> our our instincts are are correct. Fury has lost his eye <laughs> to Goose the cat. To Goose best the thing about this scene is now every time you go back and watch the Winter Soldier, and Fury is like, "The last time I trusted somebody, I lost an eye." And you're just like, you freaking liar! I lost an eye. <laughs> How many times do you use that as an excuse? The last time I washed dishes, I lost an eye. <laughs> I, I just would really like to have a scene where Steve finds out how Fury actually lost the eye. And then we have that, like, really quiet, quiet celebratory dinner in Mer- in the Rambo house, the dinner and, the ce- the dinner celebration is so good. Uh, and Carol says she's going to help those girls find find a new home. And Monica is just like, but but okay, I will find a way to see you. And you get that kind of hint that like she is going to become she has a future in space. And that scene, the dishes. Oh, remember when all the fanboys got mad about Nick Fury doing the dishes? Well, as a fan man who does a lot of dishes, I I don't know what to do with that. Okay, fine. He did the dishes. I have a lot of responsibilities as a father, and one of those responsibilities is doing the dishes. Grow up, fanboys. But anyway, so Carol gives back the pager with a, a couple of upgrades. Yeah, and now now we see it. We saw it a year ago. And now 
we finally see the reveal. Yeah, now we know how we got it. And you know, it's for emergencies only, and like not like emergencies like mm, Chitari invading New York City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the other, not like Ultron. Ultron doesn't matter, Chitari don't matter, all the other MCU things that threatened the entire planet don't matter. You can't use it for Ultron because that was Tony Stark's doing. Thanos level disaster only. Oh, yeah. That would have been like, hey, is this okay? And she's like, and she's like, has it been resolved? Yeah, okay, fine. There's that that really touching goodbye with Monica and Maria, and then she goes up and Talos makes her turn around. And makes her and makes her say goodbye. I love I love like that friendship, you know that sibling bond that Talos forms with Carol, and it's it's really really awesome. Yeah, because she's uh, she's gonna go off to space, and uh, she's got work to do out there. There was the line I actually missed it when we were talking about it early earlier, but when when the scrolls come out in the lab. And Carol is apologizing. Talos says, this is war. My hands are filthy from it, too. We're both here now. We can make something that makes a difference now. We can stop this now and move forward together. And that's, you know, what they're doing. I really like I really like how this shows that you can be um, in this place where, where you're even indoctrinated with a certain point of view and then come to terms and be like, oh, Oh, I didn't even realize, like, I was wrong. And it's okay to be wrong and to change your mind and to change your side. And so they head off on their quest for a new home world. And we, uh, we pop back in at S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters where Fury's working on a document and, uh, Coulson. And Coulson giving him yeah, some fake yeah. eyes. And the cover up about losing his eye to a cat, like, starts immediately. He's like, is it true that you lost your eye because the Kree were torturing you and you wouldn't give up the location of the Tesseract? I will neither, I will neither confirm nor deny the facts of the case. It was so refreshing to see that Coulson, to see that, like, he was, he was Coulson. He was the Iron Man Coulson. I will taste you and watch Super Nanny while you drool into the carpet. And that's what we see what uh, uh, Fury is working on on the computer. Yeah, um, he, he's like, oh my god, like, we had no idea this threat was even out here. We have to, like, seriously level up our um, yep. anti-alien game. Um, and they need to start looking for more more people like her. And Coulson's like, well, are there any more? Like, are we? Are there what? If you're just like, we found her and we weren't even looking. Yeah, a protector initiative. The yeah, protector. yeah, it's, it's just like a placeholder until he uh, picks up that picture with Carol in the background and sees her uh, call sign on the plane and changes it to the Avengers initiative. Which is a whole lot better than the cheeseburger initiative, I gotta say. I like cheeseburger as a call sign, right? So part of the part of the thing with call signs is like, Everybody's the same. Everybody has a call sign. Like, you take, in this case, a really embarrassing moment for Carol when she went up there and just completely blew chunks because she ate too many cheeseburgers. <laughs> like, you know. But I also understand 
taking the name Avenger and, you know. An opportunity to make something that doesn't necessarily make sense, make sense. Make sense. And I really like yep. how that kind of just sort of, I mean, A, it cements Carol as, you know, kind of part of this team from the very beginning, but also just like how Fury feels and interacts with these people that he's looking for. And and how, like, you know, bits and pieces of his relationships with those Avengers, like, his relationship with Nat, his relationship with Steve, you know? He had more personal relationships with certain of the Avengers than compared to others, and I think a lot of that ties back to this interaction with Carol. And then you get the end credits that have that really awesome, like, all the images made out of stars, and sh- oh my god. Yeah, they've gotten, they've been getting better. They definitely, like, later movies, they really outdid themselves with the, with the end credits. Which, um, which brings us to the mid-credits scene, which is, you know, right after Infinity War. You can tell that everyone is just kind of, like, all of the Avengers are demoralized, and they're watching the number of missing go up, and they're trying to, like, figure out what the hell is going on with Fury's beeper here. Um... Uh, they're yeah. clearly they're clearly post battle and they're clearly all fucked up, like not physically oh my fucked God, up. God, everybody's dead. Yeah, but ha- half of us are dead. This is yeah, hard. and uh, you know they're like we we got to figure out who this was contacting, and Nat turns around and Carol is just there. Like I had this like false memory about this scene. Like I had this idea in my head that when Carol showed up and was like, "Where's Fury?" that she was really like angry or and she's not like she's she's worried yeah she would have wherever she was whatever she was doing people disappeared in front of her everywhere she went when she was traveling back to earth like whatever she was doing between but you know when that started happening she was probably she was probably responding to things that happened as a result of thanos on xandar or other places within the galaxy so yeah, the Earth, the Avengers on Earth are dealing with it, you know, on on the a planetary scale, and she's dealing with it on a multi multi galactic scale. Oh God, yeah, I didn't think about that. And her suit was amazing. Like I really, really like this version of the suit with all the gold. Yeah, like her pauldrons had like were all gold and everything. She looked tired. I'd love it. <laughs> and then we fast forward to the end credits scene. And again, <laughs> every cat owner and every cat owner knows what that sound this is. This shit wakes me up from the, like, in the middle of the night. My freaking cat. I have told you about it. Like, uh, she'll be, like, she'll have come in. She'll have come in in the middle of the night and she'll have curled up next to me and it'll be three o'clock in the morning. And for some reason, I'll be awake and then I'll hear, <laughs> And just, I have, I have physically picked her up and thrown her out of my bedroom in order to keep her from throwing up on my bed. Like, I'm not even kidding. Okay, yeah, but Colin Col- has been Col- lucky with my two cats. <laughs> that just right. No. <laughs> yeah. Chickens and cats are very similar. Hmm. I wonder which is real and which is not. All right, so that pretty much wraps us up on Captain Marvel. Um, if you want to hear more of me and Chris's wonderful voices, you can listen to Geek by Night, which is available at uh, whichever podcast platform you are listening to right now. 
And we will be back next week with the first part of Avengers Endgame. Talk to you next time. Excelsior!